Hi, I'm Julie Morgan, registered dietitian with Woodstock Vitamins. My biggest pet peeve about modern nutrition is people learning about new diets through social media influencers that portray whatever latest fad diet as easy with guaranteed results um, without reading any research from the experts like dietitians or visiting their doctor to actually ask if this is safe and see what the long-term health effects and sustainability of these diets actually are. Beautiful. Trained professional. Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the trendiest diets that have made their way into the mainstream with Julie Morgan, our registered dietitian for Woodstock Vitamins. She and I are going to give our professional opinion about these and the good, bad, and ugly. And I really hope that you enjoy our conversation because it is different than what most of the people out there in the world are saying about these diets. We're giving an honest professional look at these. And then at the end, we'll kind of summarize what we feel is the best plan for somebody looking to restart their nutrition habits today. Julie, thanks for joining me. I asked you on the show today to talk about the new crazy trendy diets that are going all around social media. Uh, I wanted this to be more of an intro for people that may have heard of the diet, but don't really know all of the details. Because obviously the people that are into these diets uh, know more about it than, than we, we'll put forward here. So uh, so since you're a registered dietitian, I definitely like your opinion as, on this as well from you know, a professional standpoint, the good, the bad, the ugly of each of them. So, And of course, you know, I've got tons of opinions on everything, so I'll, I'll, I'll insert my own. So. so let's start out by going over the keto diet. Yes, this is an extremely trendy and popular diet right now. Um, it's a low-carb, high-fat diet that shifts the body's metabolism away from burning carbohydrates towards fat and ketones. So our bodies are typically are, are made to get our energy primarily from sugars, which break down to glucose. But we do have the capability to burn fat or protein for energy um, as our body needs it. So if our body has no sugar available, it first would use up any sugar reserves we have. Those are called glycogen. Mm -hmm. There's still no sugar left. Our body will then switch to fat and protein to use as energy sources. Right. So like the way I always tell people, it's like if you're, you have a Prius, uh, an electric car, it can run on gas, but it's made to run on electricity. So it's like it's taking your Prius and then switching it over no electricity, just the gas. So it's kind of like a biohack, if you will, right? So <laughs> good, way, good analogy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have lots of great analogies. <laughs> so basically, keto is exploiting this. When you drastically, when you intentionally reduce all sugar intake, even from healthy sugars that we get in fruits um, and some vegetables, and we then use fat as our primary food or fuel for our body. Um, and as a result, our body goes into, into a state of what's called ketosis that converts fat into something called a ketone body, which is then used as energy instead of glucose. 
Which sounds awesome because, I mean, it's like you can eat as much fatty foods as you want, but then you can't eat any fruits and vegetables like your mom told you to. So it sounds like the ultimate, like, uh, I don't know, bro diet, I guess. Just eat <laughs> fruits and vegetables. So what happens to people on the keto diet? Does it work? It works. You will see weight loss very quickly. Um, And that's because that glycogen, which is our sugar stores, normally have water molecules attached to them. So as we deplete those stores, you'll see a lot of water weight loss within the first two weeks. Um, And that's super encouraging if you're starting a new diet. Results right away. Awesome. Yeah, that's a big thing. Like I just had a consult with somebody today and Mm -hmm. they did the keto and they were so happy that they lost that like five to 10 pounds. But I said, the minute that you switch back, you're going to have that water weight. That water weight is just kind of the toll of being a human, you know? So, so it's like you, you get to lose that weight, but then as soon as you switch back to having any carbs, your body's going to replete those replenish, I should say those glycogen stores and and right back on the weight goes. But, you know, whatever. Some people might need that psychological bump. And then if they can keep it up to get the other weight off, then that's great, you know? Exactly. So, you know, that could work either way for you. You may experience symptoms shortly after that water weight loss of what they call keto flu, which is exactly what it sounds like. Just not feeling well, fatigue, um, you know, just uh, achiness. um, But that will subside as you stick with the diet and kind of go over that hump. Um, You'll also find that hunger pangs can subside as your body acclimates to burning a new source of energy. Um, Mm. And you might feel less hungry, which can Mm. lead to an overall reduction in caloric intake that can help you continue that trend of weight loss. Right, because they're eating more fat, so you're going to feel more satiated because a lot of us don't eat enough fats, you know. Because we were trained at some point, probably that fat's bad. (laughs) Yes, because the media told us that fats are bad and sugar is good because the food pyramid was built on 14 different carbohydrate servings a day because we were subsidizing (laughs) corn and wheat and stuff like that. Yeah, there's no no money involved in our decisions around what we do. No politics either. Nothing at all. It's all science. So does so you lose weight and you get used to it is basically what you're saying after you have like this initial horrible <laughs> reaction of flu yeah. what else can it do for us does it do anything for like making you healthier Short-term studies show that it can have a positive impact on certain biomarkers for disease, blood Mm -hmm. sugar, insulin levels, and it can actually um, boost your cholesterol in a positive way. Well, that's really super weird, right? Because it's a fat-focused diet. You're you're chugging down saturated fat and and, and such, like at an alarming rate almost. And so like my warning on this is always to not like go out and and have a ticker tape parade yet. Uh, don't celebrate the win because, you know, when we were beating this up here, we found that the data is short term. Um, uh, and we don't know what this increased cholesterol, increased saturated fat is going to be over the long term. Right. But I mean, short term, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, if it was perfect, why haven't we been doing this sooner? So time will tell as far as that, but we just don't have the long-term data to conclude on that right now. Right. Why don't we have long-term data? Like how come there's not like studies that have been showing this? I mean, I know the trend's new, but I mean, keto diet's been around for a while. It's a tough diet to stick with. Um, When you think about it, it's um, a dramatic lifestyle change. So I think Mm -hmm. compliance is a big big part of why we don't have more long-term study results. 
just because you really don't see people that have said they've done keto for years and years to see what those outcomes truly are at this point. Right. But what we do know now is short term, it does have great effects. So we've talked a little bit about what generally you can eat. So let's get into the the, the definites, like the details. What What can you eat? What can't you eat? Just kind of go through that for me. So you're going to be cutting out all sugary foods, basically processed sugary foods and naturally sugar-based foods. You're cutting out all grains or starches, fruit, beans or legumes, root vegetables and tubers, alcohol, (laughs) and obviously processed slash diet type foods that are typically higher in sugar alcohols. Right. Just because it says uh, low fat doesn't mean that it's healthy for you. It just means that it has added other junk in it. Exactly. Exactly. So then what, what can they eat? Meat, poultry, fatty fish, dairy, cheeses, nuts and seeds, healthy oils, avocados. Um, There are a few low-carb fruit and veggie options. It's very limited. Uh, It's basically berries for the fruit. And then you're looking at, for vegetables, greens, onions, mushrooms, peppers, eggplant, tomatoes. If you really want to indulge some dark chocolate and uh, a recipe using just pure cocoa powder. Yummy. Well, I mean, there's some there's some nuggets of wisdom in there, I guess, like the idea that, you know, you shouldn't have processed foods and you shouldn't be drinking tons of alcohol and try to have some healthy fats. But, you know, the, the idea that they're removing the entire fruit and vegetable group is it seems a little disconcerting to me. So so what what kinds of uh, things can you eat from a fat and like protein standpoint? So fatty foods would be cheeses, oils, avocados are really big. Um, Fat and protein foods would be meat, poultry, fish. Um, You know, you can actually explore, you know, because this diet probably would get a little boring. You can explore other meat options that maybe you've never tried. So in that sense, it is, you know, you could broaden a very small part of your diet. And then um, supplementing with MCT oil is um, pretty popular. Yeah. So let's beat up this MCT oil thing because this is something that these guys are living off of. And I want to really kind of get to the bottom of, of what that is. So MCT stands for medium chain triglyceride, mm-hmm. which is a fat molecule that's absorbed directly into the liver. This can be found in a supplement form um, or naturally. It's basically helpful for a keto dieter because it helps make ketones more readily available for their body to use as energy since it's being absorbed directly by the liver. Right. This then helps increase energy levels and makes the state of ketosis easier to adapt to and maintain, um, which can also help get you out of that keto flu a little bit quicker as well. One of the things I always tell people about MCT oil is that you want to buy it um, in a glass bottle because otherwise the fat and the plastics can like absorb into each other and you can get some gross stuff going on. So that's an important little nugget of wisdom for everybody. There are some natural sources, coconut oil. That's why you see a lot of that um, incorporated into like keto recipes that you'll find, palm kernel oil, and and dairy products do contain um, a higher percentage of MCT. So what's your take on this diet? What's your professional opinion of this keto craze? 
Okay. So the good, the bad, the ugly, the good, you get that quick reinforcement with that weight loss, that water weight loss right away. So that's, you know, very encouraging for people on diets or that are, you know, chronic dieters that need that to kind of get them going. It doesn't show a negative impact on your cholesterol in short-term studies. You know, it can be a great option for people looking to lose a dramatic amount of weight, improve their metabolic health or glycemic control. Mm-hmm. Someone has pre-diabetes. Um, but the ugly part of it is that there's a lot of work that goes into this, lots of meal planning ahead and prep. Um, you're going to be missing a lot of nutrients and fiber by removing you know, the food groups that you do, fruits, vegetables, grains. You may require some supplementation. But then they're buying supplements, right? So if we can sell them pills. I'd rather people obviously eat their, their nutrients and not take supplements. Yep. Yeah, they're definitely going to be buying multivitamins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that keto flu that we talked about, yeah, no you know, no one wants to feel crappy. Right. So, um, and, you know, you may also experience some constipation from the change, the dramatic shift in your diet, right. which is never pleasant. So, no. you know, that's a big, yeah. <laughs> that's a big issue for me. So, yeah. So like overall, like what's your, what's your take on this? this game? Yeah. So overall, I'm not a big fan of this diet. It cuts out an entire macronutrient group, carbohydrates that includes whole grains, fruits, veggies, tubers, all things that we get nutrients for all things that are promoted through government agencies to help prevent chronic diseases. So, uh, you know, this kind of boggles my mind why you would omit it from your diet indefinitely. Yeah. It's a pretty extreme eating plan, and I would find it very difficult to sustain on a long-term basis, socially, emotionally, and physically. So I agree. I think <laughs> that's my take. No, that's pretty. That's pretty a uh, hardcore take, man. But no, no, no. I'm just kidding. So it's uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that it's great in the short term, gets you going. Uh, but it, you, I really want people to transition to something else for the, the long term. I just think it's too difficult for people to maintain this diet. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, let's keep moving. Let's uh, talk about intermittent fasting, the other big trend going on these days. Okay. So pretty much what it sounds like, it's literally not eating in varying intervals. Hmm. And there are a few different ways that people can do this. One is called the 16-8 method. Mm -hmm. Involves skipping breakfast and then restricting your daily intake – sorry, your daily eating period to eight hours within the entire day. So skipping the most important meal of the day. What's up with that? Exactly. I'm not cool with that. (laughs) So um, basically fasting for 16 hours. The next method is called eat, stop, eat. Involves fasting for 24 hours once or twice a week. So going from like having your dinner and then not eating until dinner time the next day. So that's pretty extreme. And then the five two diet where you consume only five to six, 500 to 600 calories on two non-consecutive days of the week, but eat normally on the other five days. I mean, all of this sounds horrible, but that last one I think sounds least horrible of all of them. I I mean, I could probably get through a day on 500 calories, but uh, way better than getting through on zero calories, but it just, it, it, it's just insane. So like, does any of these talk about like calorie restrictions at all besides that last diet? Or is it just like not eating what makes people lose weight? 
Yeah, it's basically a diet that focuses more on when you eat, not what you eat. Uh. There's no specific eating plan, no nutrient restriction, nothing like that. Can you lose weight with intermittent fasting though? Is or is this just like how do you like I don't understand. So yeah, so studies have found that um you can lose weight com- comparable with traditional caloric restrictive diets on uh, pretty much the same uh, the same terms. So it is as effective, um, and they find that you tend to conserve more lean body mass with fasting versus caloric restriction. So you're burning more fat with fasting versus just restricting calories. Right, like pro- prolonged so. fasting because when you have short-term fasting, when you're hungry, your body will actually go into like hibernation mode and start storing things. But if you make the period a little bit longer, but not like crazy long, then it kind of works in the right way is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Interesting. You know, you bring up a point about research because anytime I talk to people about intermittent fasting, they get pretty passionate saying there's a lot of research that says intermittent fasting is great. Um, I know you've been beating this up for us a bit. So um, what does like the research say from your perspective and what does that research actually look like? There is a large body of research that can support health benefits of fasting. However, most of it has been conducted on animals, not people. Mm -hmm. Which is like saying like we tested plants and uh, we didn't feed plants for 24 hours and they lost weight. Because, I mean, yeah, that's that's crazy because even with the keto diet, the animal studies actually have a complete opposite effect in humans. So when you load up mice on high fats, they actually get sick just like we would think humans do, but humans have the opposite effects. So it's very, very difficult to extrapolate results. Absolutely. So, you know, of these studies, fasting has shown, has been shown to pr- improve biomarkers. Um, however, we don't know really how that translates to human studies. And, you know, um, some of these studies that talk about why fasting provides these benefits, um, one of them states that, you know, during this fasting period are, you know, all the way down to our cells are under a mild level of stress and they kind of adapt to that stress over time, which then can enhance their ability to cope with stress down the road and maybe even become more resistant to certain diseases. That sounds a little bit far-fetched for me. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like that needs to be, uh, flushed out (laughs) quite a bit. Well, I mean, so, I mean, it's pretty simple. So you don't eat in certain periods and supposedly you end up losing weight. Uh, So what's your good, bad, ugly on this one? So the good, I like that, you know, these limited studies have shown it conserves our lean body mass, burns more fat. Um, For some people, watching when they eat is easier than watching what they eat, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and there's really no restriction. So in a sense that you're not restricting good nutrients, you're also not restricting bad nutrients. Right. So I can still go out and eat McDonald's mm-hmm. every meal while I can eat and then fast. Right. So, you know, it doesn't really educate you. Right. You know, the bad, like I said, you're not focusing on what you eat to make healthier choices. Um, you know, if I'm fasting, I know like when I go for a long time without eating, once I can eat, I'm going to eat. So it could lead to binging (laughs) or excessive caloric intake during your eating period. So you're supposed to maintain control and then put a food in front of you and, and hopefully stay in control. And I don't know, I, I turned into the Hulk. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, so that might be something that you, you know, struggle with. Um, you know, and, and at, 
first getting started, you know, being hungry can lead to emotional um, side effects and physical side effects as well. Weakness, fatigue, headaches, dizziness, and just being nasty. <laughs> hangry. hangry. That's what I get around to. Uh, right. So, um, so overall, like this again is another challenging diet. Um, I personally feel that eating every three to five hours is essential to balancing blood sugar levels and staying aware of your body's natural hunger and satiety cues that can then allow you to make those mindful, informed decisions on what you choose to eat at your next meal. Yeah. I'm adamant against this diet. This diet for me is like just way off the reservations. The idea that, you, you know, when you are losing weight, your your stomach is physically shrinking down when you're reducing the calories and the, and the amount of food that you're eating. But then with this diet, you're just kind of like blowing it back out again. So it's this constant flux of hunger pangs that you're just kind of, uh, you know, keep extending longer than you want to. And the idea of skipping food when we have all of this data about small frequent meals and the benefit to energy levels and mental clarity and metabolism and blood glucose. It just seems like a really bad uh, gig for me. And I I would just rather people not do it if they they were to do it. Agreed. All right. Let's make America prehistoric again, Julie. Let's jump in our DeLorean, go back in time to a simpler place where everyone was healthier than we are now because they didn't have iPhones, but they also ate like a paleo. <laughs> Is that even a thing? A paleolithic diet? Tell me all about the paleolithic diet. So this diet is based on a theory that our ancestors were healthier than we are because these hunters and gatherers presumably had much lower rates of lifestyle diseases like obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. They followed a more whole foods-based diet and led more physically active lives. So those claims seem to be a little bit um, exaggerated at best. I would kind of feel that people that lived long ago were healthier than us. I mean, I'd understand that, yeah, they were not having processed foods and they didn't have as much stress and they were more physically active. But the idea that um, they were healthier than us, I don't know if I can really get behind that. Um, The other thing, like when I was looking this up for our conversation, the, the paleo diet, there's no evidence that that was a real thing. Like dental records from that time show that people ate meat primarily or vegetables primarily and, and, and greens and such, or they were omnivores just like today. So it's just, for me, it's like, I I can't really get to that logical place to see where this would be beneficial beyond some general good dietary tips. So let's talk about that. So what what can they eat? What are they encouraged to eat? What can't they eat? Let's talk about the foods and see if there's really anything they like, is it just brontosaurus burgers or is it something else? Yeah. So exactly. Right. We don't know. You know, I think it depends more geographically. That's what determined what people ate. But the paleo diet is saying you can eat all kinds of meat, poultry, pork, fish and seafood, preferably wild, um, eggs, vegetables, fruit, tubers, nuts and seeds, healthy fats and oils, and spice it up, salt, spices, however you'd like to uh, season. So it's less limiting, but it is um, definitely heavier on the omnivore side. Gotcha. So are there things that you shouldn't be eating? 
So you're going to stay away from any processed trans fat, sugar, artificial sweetener, and high fructose corn syrup. Obviously, those things weren't around back then. (laughs) (laughs) Grains. So um, we're talking hunters, gatherers, not farmers, supposedly. Mm -hmm. So no breads, pastas, no wheat, um, no whole grains, no legumes, no dairy, um, and it omits certain vegetable oils as well. So those don't really sound like horrible recommendations, you know? Um, you know, the basic concept of paleo is to eat whole foods and avoid processed foods. So no, it's not horrible. It's not as extreme as other diets out there, especially that we've talked about. Um, but it is limiting and it does involve planning. So, you know, it's not easy breezy, but it can be done. What do the evidence say? What does the research around it say? Studies have shown similar weight loss compared to the Mediterranean diet. They've shown reduction in total and LDL cholesterol, that's your bad cholesterol, as well as reducing triglycerides, improving glycemic control, and decreasing waist circumference, which um, is a marker for disease down the road. However, it doesn't concur with the current dietary guidelines, which recommend whole grain consumption which is important as consuming whole grains is associated with reduced risk of heart disease, cancers, um, infectious diseases, inflammation, and diabetes. So you have good and you have bad with that. So let's drop your professional bomb on this one. What do you think of this? All right. So great avoiding processed foods behind that. And it also adds more fruit and veggies to your diet. There's no tracking of calories and no restricting macronutrient groups. Um, cuts out whole grains, which can cause B vitamin deficiency. It can also decrease fiber in your diet. Um, saturated fat intake is going to be increased because of the focus on meats, poultry. And because the diet does eliminate dairy, meeting calcium and vitamin D requirements can be difficult and you might need to supplement. Overall, you know, the basis of this diet is a little skeptical. Do we really know that prehistoric humans were healthier than we are now? Do we know that we're actually biologically identical to these paleolithic ancestors of ours? No, we don't. But we do know that they didn't live as long as we do. Um, So we can't really make that association with chronic disease. We're living three times as long as as they were because they were getting like eaten by dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we do know that people in different parts of the world ate differently. So uh, to make a general association and stamp a fad diet on it doesn't really fly with me. Overall, any diet that excludes a food group is pretty difficult to follow. The more food categories excluded, again, the harder it is to sustain long-term. So that complete elimination of dairy would be fairly challenging, I think. But, you know, overall, it's doable. You you might find it challenging, but definitely something to follow. Yeah, good idea. Silly gimmick. That's my two cents Mm -hmm. on it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's talk about the raw food diet. I have a couple customers are on this, and I just recently spoke with a gent that's introducing this to an, into his life. Um, so uh, what does the raw food diet tell us about our lives? The raw food diet is made up of foods that have not been processed at all or heated above a certain temperature, and that's about 104 degrees. It excludes any refined, pasteurized foods, anything treated with a pesticide or processed in any other way. 
So it's pretty raw. It's pretty raw. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, is there any literature saying that this non-processing is, is better than other forms of dieting or processing your foods? The literature shows us that raw diets tend to be nutritionally unbalanced because they're pretty much made of either fat or fruits to meet your calorie needs, which, you know, that, that cuts out a lot of nutrients that are typically found in our yeah. diet. Um, it's going to lower your blood cholesterol and triglyceride levels, but studies have found that it also lowered your good cholesterol levels, which we don't want. And it can also lead to a B12 deficiency for people, mm. which again, More you know, we don't want to see. Yeah. Supplements again. Um, it's associated with uh, reduction in total body fat because you're omitting um, you're omitting meat completely and several oils. Um, some studies have found that it has impacted menstrual cycles of women to the point where they've actually developed amenorrhea, which is not healthy. An increased risk of tooth decay is what I hear, right? Like it breaks your teeth down. Mm-hmm. That's a weird one. Yeah. So um, like the enamel on your teeth because um, – some of the food can be acidic. Uh, there were studies that show that as well. Interesting. So, um, so overall, the raw diet. What's your your professional take on this? Good, bad, ugly. Pros are, you know, it's very high in fresh fruits and vegetables. It encourages use of organic products. That's great. Um, it doesn't include any processed foods or added sugar. It's going to guarantee weight loss because you're having such a low caloric intake. And it, um, you know, doesn't have any cookings, which can, in certain foods, decrease the nutrient accessibility to foods, but very minimally. You know, the bad is that, you know, cooking does also increase the digestibility of food, which makes it easier for your body to get calories and nutrients from Mm -hmm. food. As I've mentioned several times now, it's nutritionally unbalanced. It's mostly made up of fats or fruits and vegetables. There's tedious tedious preparation, blending foods, dehydrating foods, investing in fancy food equipment to actually prepare food so you don't lose your mind out of boredom. I just picture like a family vacation where there's one person doing this diet that's unique for them and then everybody else trying to like adapt to all of the chaos in the kitchen while they blend and, and process the food all differently. I just like I just always go to the family vacation chaos. I don't know why, but saying um, you know, and it's it's pretty much impossible to eat out unless you're going to a raw food restaurant, which I don't know how common those are these days. I've actually heard of them in the past when this diet really was like picking up speed and popularity. City centers probably have tons of restaurants like that, I'm sure. But yeah, I think there's some raw food options at some of the great places here in Woodstock. I'm sure uh, our local proprietaries are on top of that, but. But yeah, um, I'm not up for this diet. It just seems like too much for too little gain. And um, again, if it's your thing, I don't think it's a, a major problem. Just looking out for those negatives that Julie pointed out. So, all right, now that we're, we've gone through four major trendy diets, let's talk about what you would recommend as a dietitian that people would use for their dietary plan and, and what they should eat. You need to find a strategy that is going to jive with your lifestyle and promote 
a healthier and sustainable food plan for you that hopefully will concur with the recommendations brought by the major um, government agencies that develop these to help reduce the risk of chronic disease for our population. There's a lot of people that don't trust those agencies. They're like, oh, well, they're bought off by, you know, the RDA Association, the Dietitians Association. Isn't like Nestle's a corporate sponsor of those guys, right? And, and like Pepsi Cola. Coca-Cola, Crafts, yeah. Yeah. So what's your opinion on that where people are like, well, I don't trust the government for this, which is an honest, uh, I guess, approach to it because of the corruption. What do you think? I mean, I I can see where they're coming from. You know, I've been in that position too, where I question that, um, you know, where are these agencies getting their funding from? Why, why should we trust someone that's being backed by these terrible foods that we're supposed to not mm-hmm. eat? Um, you have to kind of either consult with a registered dietitian, do some research on your own, come to your own, you know, conclusions, or just kind of take a step back and and look at the foods that you're eating. Are you eating food from a box that has 20 ingredients and someone's telling you that's healthy? I don't right. think so. You know, or are you going to the outer perimeter of your supermarket where you're just getting a piece of fruit or a vegetable or meat, you know, and that's, you know, you're bringing it back to basics right. a little bit. I try to tell people like the the idea that just because they're fun and again, it is silly. It's ridiculous actually that these organizations are accepting funding from such companies that are producing such garbage. They need money too, for sure. But the thing is, is that they're not the, the registered dietitians and, and like these organizations aren't saying drink more Pepsi. Now they're not saying that, you know, they're not eating or uh, recommending unhealthy foods. They're recommending healthy things based on the evidence that's out there. It's just that they're taking the funding from these, these big organizations. So I, I get the, the, the cynicism, I guess, but I think that it's, it's necessary at times, not just looking at these organizations, but more looking at what does the evidence show and, and how much evidence do we have to support these recommendations is important here is to take the the forest for the trees, not look at these, these, you know, I, I always say like, you get a game of monopoly going and you'll have some corruption. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to get rid of that bias, but it seems to me that a lot of the nutrition science that's out there, especially the stuff that you're saying about not eating inflammatory oils and, and, you know, like small frequent meals, all of that stuff is, is all based on, you know, some of the best evidence that we've ever had, you know, definitely. So my recommendation when it comes to weight loss and eating healthy, like I always try to stress how it's less about what you're eating uh, and more about like your psychological connection to food, uh, especially in those early couple weeks when you're trying to make a dietary adjustment from whether you're on a dumpster fire diet like me or you're just like halfway there and you're just trying to refine it. We have to know what's healthy about food and what's not. We have to look at our schedules. We have to look at our life. We have to look at our habits. I was just doing a consultation with someone who is a realtor and she's out all the time and she has no time to eat anything healthy. So she's trying keto and she's trying all this crazy stuff, but it really comes down to her schedule and what's going on with her life and the planning that has to go into her day to make her life healthier. Not what gimmick she's using or, or what food she's eating. It's about making the commitment to eat and, and fuel your body throughout the day. For me, the, the psychological connection goes deeper. I get stressed and I reach for some sugar and it's just like trying to scratch an itch. 
if you were here in the store, if like I've turned the live feed camera on so you guys could see that I'm in the middle of writing a blog or, or something like that. And all of a sudden I hit a wall and I just like turn around and like look for any junk food that's in the kitchen. It's disgusting. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm busy <laughs> and I'm not thoughtful about my day either. I'm just like the realtor patient. You know, I have to think the day before uh, what I'm going to eat the next day, because if I don't do that, then I'm, I'm wait way too long to eat. And then I, I make crappy decisions. I I'll eat junk food essentially. So when I talk to people about nutrition, weight loss, all of this stuff, I remind them that it's not about the food. It's really about you. And so, you know, first we focus on habits and behavior, eating small, frequent meals, doing some introspection. Do I chop my food in two bites and swallow because I'm a stressed out mess? Um, these are the things that have to change for your diet to be sustainable. After this, I'll tell people, make better food choices, less simple carbs, more fruits and vegetables, more proteins, more healthier fats. Basically, I call it the Cheeto diet. Some people call it the, the lazy keto diet. It's eating healthy fats, eating more protein, eating fruits and vegetables for sure, but cutting out completely simple carbs. No rice, no bananas, no, not bananas, uh, no bread, no uh, to uh, pasta, all of those kinds of things. Just drop them from your diet completely. And you'll find it very easy actually to, to lose weight because those things are, are normally just like empty calories. And then if you've mastered this piece, you're eating small frequent meals that are nutrient dense, then we can start talking about making it more complex. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, is organic better? Do I take the apple that has less or more sugars? And, and really like that's such a black belt level philosophy. It, it's better to think about your food grade and varying your diet after you've managed the things that we really have the hardest time controlling, which is those psychological things, the habits. Um, so here it's like where you're saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to only get grass fed food. I'm not going to get grain fed. I'm going to do organic or local, not the stuff you find at the, the market, you know, really mixing up your, your, your diet. I would say pick a few key elements that you should have every day. So everybody every day should have blueberries. They should have kale and greens and then pick other stuff. You know, maybe you want to have some uh, really fancy South African berries that you found at the health food store. You don't have to have that every day, but you can have it once a week or every other week or something like that, just to get the the, the micronutrients mixed up in your life. So that's my synopsis on the whole thing. So of the four diets we talked about today, which one would you vouch for the most, Julie? Among these particular four options, I feel like the best would be a variation of the paleo diet. Really? Yeah. You know, I like that it's cutting out processed foods and sugar. It focuses on whole foods. Um, I would personally incorporate healthier forms of dairy, like Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. Those are all, you know, rich in protein, not high fat dairy and have a good source of calcium and vitamin D. Um, I would also incorporate whole grains, which are going to give you fiber, iron, protein as well. So, you know, I don't think that while the basis of, of the diet itself is gimmicky and silly, I think overall the message um, is, is fairly, uh, good in a sense that you are getting rid of like anything that's processed. Right. So for me, it's the keto diet. I'd pick that one first, but I, I wouldn't do it so hardcore. I'd, I'd, like I said, I'd call it the Cheeto diet. Drop, drop those carbs down to uh, absolute zero, the simple ones, but keep fruits and vegetables, even the ones that do have simple carbs in it, because I'd rather it be that you're getting all your simple carbs from fruits and vegetables than uh, all that other unhealthy stuff. Uh, eat lots of healthy proteins and good fats, but you know, limit those fats down. So your saturated fat intake 
and your um, uh, you know your cholesterol levels are, are are kept in a healthy range. So, Julie, thank you. Thanks for joining us, teaching us all about nutrition. These four fad diets. I, I hope to have you on again. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I just want to take a moment to remind everyone that. I'm producing some recipes for easy, healthy eating that are rich in vitamins, other micronutrients, building a little database here. Just recipes that, you know, take a little bit of a variation, make, you know, things that you typically think of a little yeah, bit healthier. I, I like that uh, the, the way that you're going about it. It's like, I'm busy. I'm a mom. I work. I don't have time to screw around in the kitchen making these fancy things. So super simple ingredients and, and everything like that. So Visit woodstockvitamins.com slash food to sign up for those alerts. And once they're released, which you're probably going to start releasing like one or two a week, then you can get yourself uh, some of our new recipes from Julie. Thank you again, Julie. You're very welcome.